Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fast Break Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm joined by Patrick Martin. We have a wonderful array of items to discuss. The fellows were at the White House. Uh, we got NBA draft decisions. And there was a big win on the recruiting trail for Dan Hurley and the Huskies. That's where we'll start. Patrick, Ham Spencer, he is coming to UConn from Rutgers after three years at Loyola. I think there's a lot to be excited about with this addition. He uh, chose UConn primarily over an offer from Miami, heard of them. Uh, so what do we think about, about Cam Spencer and that addition to the roster? First of all, it's great to be back in the saddle here, the first off season pod and yeah, not going to lie. We've been, we've had this on our schedule for what, two or three weeks and it feels like there was just nothing really percolating and we, we were scheduled for yesterday and that pushback and sure enough dropped into our laps, like a, some, like half Christmas was was Cam Spencer, arguably the best guard left in the portal. Yes, UConn's only got him for one year. He will be a grad transfer, but wow, this guy, I, very rarely has there been a player that when he becomes available, do, do, does he check every single box of what UConn needed? Um, shooting, experience, uh, an ability to play Hurley's system, we we kind of talked ourselves into Nick Timberlake being that answer, but coming up from Towson, there is a little bit of an unknown there. I mean, Cam Spencer was the leading scorer for Rutgers last year, and and they were, were a tournament team for roughly half the year. So, I, I mean, it's it's such a coup for the for Hurley and his staff. It's it, it's straight up out of the Ariana Grande song where they they see it, they like it, they want it. They got it because I mean, there's been who, who have they missed on really that they made a primary target. It, even last year, it was widely rumored that Tristan Newton was their guy. They went out and got him. And now this year, Cam Spencer comes in, visits a little late. You know, there's a little bit of mystery surrounding when he's there, when he's not there. Apparently, Hurley had to fly in uh, from the West Coast a whole saga that everyone every, every sicko online was following i don't think anybody expected him to commit at 10:30 on on a tuesday uh quite the news dump but he is absolutely perfect for what uconn's trying to do next year is a close to a plug and play replacement for jordan hawkins that you can find on the transfer market and yeah, I, I encourage everybody to fire up the, the YouTube highlights. There's a 25-minute one if you really want to waste some time at work. But there's also a six-minute one, and, and it really highlights and accentuates what he's going to bring to stores next year. And, I mean, if you want to run down the, the list of cliches, we can do it. Because he looks like a you know YMCA player, plays the game the right way. He plays the game with the for the name on the front of the jersey and not the back. Uh, oh, yeah. Coach's son. What I hope they don't say is that he's a follow up to Joey Calcaterra, right? Because that would be racist. We don't yeah. want that. Uh, that that would be incorrect. Because he's 
got quite a bit more to offer, we think, uh, than than a Calcaterra, who, of course, brought a whole lot. We don't want people making uh, fast comparisons because that would be wrong. He's maybe more of a Niles Giffey type, I might say, uh, than, uh, than a Joey Calcaterra, but up to you to decide. Uh, but yeah, it's it's certainly the best possible addition you could have asked for out of the portal. He was on a decent, pretty good Rutgers team. He had a he had a good run at at Loyola too. He was a Patriot League All Freshman. He won the All League. Uh, he he was an All League honor two years later. His last year there, he averaged just under 19 points per game. So he's been he's been that dude for a team. Um, and I think having that attitude is good. Just having an experienced player is good. Uh, looking through some of his game logs, uh, I saw big games against the likes of UNC. Uh, so I think, and and others across Big Ten competition while at Rutgers. So I think it's it's something where it's not contained to, uh, you know, beating up on weaker competition. He certainly uh, has has competed against the best. The Big Ten schedule, like you said, you know, compared to the uh, guy Timberlake that UConn was was in on earlier, uh, you know, it's it seems like Spencer was Timberlake two years ago. So uh, pr- pretty good. And there's one roster, there's one scholarship spot open. But as of right now, to kind of um, veer into our next topic, you know, the lineup looks pretty set. Uh, I, I I can't I can't think of something you know that we would be uh, looking at the roster and saying is is a big hole because you know there's all these freshmen coming in with Newton returning as well the lineup is looking pretty strong for next year I'd say what do you think Oh it's arguably one of the better starting lineups on paper in college next year but when you look at Newton Castle then you plug in Cam Spencer. And then you have Carabin and Klinging playing the forward spots that has size, that has shooting, that has experience, that has passing. Uh, you know, all five of those guys are plus passers. So what you know, you know, the only issue with that starting lineup is managing injuries potentially or managing minutes. Uh, you know, the big debate in the offseason that we'll get to will be how many minutes does Donovan Klingen play while maintaining his efficiency. But Spencer fits in perfectly with like he, you know, the two guards that UConn has lost and Andre Jackson and Jordan Hawkins, and we'll get to them later. But obviously Hawkins with his shooting and Jackson with his playmaking, Spencer provides a little bit of both. You know, if you watch that highlight tape, he's very adept at coming off a screen, you know, kind of playing with the defense, whether it be a a step back, you know, mid-range or just lobbing it up to uh, Rutgers' big man last year, Cliff Onorori. Not really sure I'm butchering that, whatever. Uh, now imagine tossing that up to a 7-3 Klingon. And his supporting, or Spencer's supporting cast is going to be a lot better when you think you can't really sag off him because you've got Newton and Castle that can penetrate or hit an outside shot. Caravan always making the right play. Um the, the roster makeup, you know, really comes into form with his commitment, and you have to like the fact that going up against Miami, the, all the rumors were that he was 
he left Rutgers to pursue more NIL money. So everyone, once they saw Miami on that list, think thinking, all right, he's going to go chase the check in Miami and go chill on the beach. And he obviously bought into what Hurley and the coaching staff were trying to sell, and which was you know, you're have a chance to be a part of something really special here because their chances of repeating greatly increased with his commitment. It's hyperbole to say that in the summer, but when you look at the who what they're returning, you look at the talent potentially on the bench, and we'll get to that later. Kudos to Cam Spencer for saying, you know what, you know, I'm gonna spend my last, you know, winter in college up in stores, Connecticut, trying to chase a ring. Speaks a lot about his mental makeup. You, you spoke about his time in Loyola, and then we'll we'll switch to off him in a second. He was a zero star recruit coming out zero. Not they didn't even give him a star. So you don't see that very often, but that speaks to his his mindset and his ability to adapt. And I think when you put him around a roster like UConn is assembled, it's going to be a match made in heaven. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, when you put it that way, uh, in terms of deciding between whether to just spend a year in South Beach or stores, uh, tough decision, tough decision. Uh, we'll put it that way, to, to say it lightly. And yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, of course, so much to replace with with Hawkins and Jackson. Um but we have a good reason to believe that Alex Caraban will improve and be more assertive as a player. Tristan Newton returning one more year of familiarity, maybe taking things a little bit more seriously uh, based on some of his own quotes where he talked about, uh, you know, some of his, his uh, work ethic and approach and how it, that can be refined. I think playing in him also playing in a role that's more natural to him where he will be asked to score a little bit more and then having Castle in there you know it's it's a really strong supporting cast and uh I have lots of lots of reason for optimism there I I think what is um missing is just that you know Sonogo was was really dependable uh the combination of of Hawkins and Jackson were really, really tough for opponents to match, uh, kind of no matter what their style was. And they were just really special dynamic players, you know, and it's it's uh, it's not about points per game and assists per game and replacing that, you know, uh, point for point. Uh, so I I do think, um, you know, there's there's going to be maybe a little bit more growing pains on this roster. I, I'm not sure about a 14 and 0 start for this group, you know, um, but that's fine. It could, it could be just as good. I think they'll, they'll, you know, certainly have every, every chance and opportunity. And uh, now also it, it is known that Dan Hurley and his staff can do it. Uh, and, and that I think helps with the perception, but um you know, it doesn't hurt to lose Andre Jackson. You shouldn't, we shouldn't under underscore that. And, and especially, you know, his presence was uh, valuable in ways that didn't always appear on the stat sheet to repeat the cliche, but uh, so, you know, he, he was a very driven person and a leader on the team. Uh, and I think that aspect of it also might be, um, 
something that they'll be looking for for people to replace? I think the number one thing, and you touched on it, was the dynamic, you know, the dynamic, or you know, you the dynamic player that Hawkins was, the dynamic player that Andre Jackson was. Um, they were skilled, yes, but they brought a certain degree of athleticism that, when things were clicking, was just too much for college teams to handle. If you're gonna put a knock on Cam Spencer, he's not the best athlete. Same can be said for Tristan Newton. Same can be said for Castle as he's coming in. He, those are three finesse skill players. You're not going to have any of any of those three tearing down a rim like Andre Jackson did. That's not to say that it's going to mean they're not they won't be successful. But it was Andre Jackson's athleticism combined with his playmaking that made him so dynamic. It was Jordan Hawkins's quick stop and quick release, which are athletic attributes, that made him the best shooter in college. So there will be an adjustment. Um, and I think most importantly, when you look how great Adama Sonogo is, and trust me, he is one of the greatest big men UConn ever had, but he was a package deal in his best year. When he came out, Donovan Klingon came in. So when Donovan Klingon comes out, is there someone, whether that be Samson Johnson or Yusuf Sangare, that has the similar impact that Klingon had? That will be a storyline to follow in the preseason and leading up into the November games of saying, what does this bench give you? Solomon Ball looks to be the, the athlete that Andre Jackson was, but he does he have the refined game? Very hard for a freshman to come in there and do that. Um, you know, Jalen Stewart, same thing. What do these guys bring? A lot of question marks there that last year you look and say, okay, you know, Calcaterra is going to bring shooting. Nahima Lean will bring three and D. Hassan Diara is going to bring defense. This one, there's a little bit more of a roll of the dice of saying, what are these guys going to give you? And you have to trust this coaching staff, which has been, you know, don't underrate or don't overrate this. They've been together, what, three years now, and they haven't broken up? That's huge. Most most staffs by now, especially after winning a natty, you know, their coaches are gone. And 100% should Kamani Young get a look, and should Luke Murray get a look, and even Tom Moore. But for whatever reason, they haven't. So you have to really hope that this staff really in their high gear now can take these freshmen, find ways to make them contribute, right away and you're looking at another dangerous team come February March. Yeah, it's a really good point about the coaching staff. I mean, to be able to have someone like Tom Moore who's who's so experienced, has his own head coaching experience as well, Luke Murray, an ace recruiter, and Kimani Young, who's great at both, frankly. Uh it's it is an unbelievable blessing. And it is part of the reason that, you know, you do have a lot of reason to have faith in this team next year, uh, even though they are losing so much uh, really to the draft and, uh, and graduation with Calcaterra. But yeah, they did such a good job last year building up the roster through the transfer portal. Uh, you know, you, you alluded to it earlier, but just, you know, Newton, Aline, Diara, Calcaterra, fantastic, right? Fantastic way to supplement what you have and make sure that your you're bulletproof in March, which they, which they were. And um, 
I think what what else is interesting right now is that there is still a scholarship opening on the roster. And if I was making a play uh, to the point that you made earlier, maybe we want a Joey Calcaterra-esque guy, but a big man. You know, maybe there's maybe there's an opportunity to slide in a, a low major big man who's like six foot eight, six nine, a real gamer, someone who can go in there and frustrate people for for uh, eight to ten minutes or fifteen a game, but is really smart and experienced. That could be something that really really helps out uh, the crew. Who knows? Who knows what what Hurley and the staff are doing? But I will just say that Joey Calcaterra's commitment was on june 17th of last year so uh anything can still happen um i i've you know saw that alexis yetna who's i think on what year eight of college he's the you know john belushi of animal house of college basketball um but again if if those guys decide that they don't want to be a 12th man and, and kind of come up off the bench, that's fine. I'm okay with rolling my dice with Samson Johnson, who would now have some, you know, a year to be healthy and see what Singare has. Um, for all intents and purposes, I've heard that uh, Jalen Stewart play, you know, can be an undersized guy in a similar way that Caravan was last year. I, I, I'm okay with, with, rolling with the guys we got now uh, unless something great pops up you really don't want to mess with chemistry and you think how it was a tough year for samson johnson and all the reports were coming out that hurley and the staff were begging him to stay saying like you're gonna get your shot like this is your year you know keep the faith it's coming if they went and picked up some guy who might be one or two percent better than samson johnson maybe a little more proven and that throws off the whole bench dynamic then maybe it's not worth it i I, i'd rather roll my dice with samson and see what he's got um because the staff has been you know they his the the problem with him is they they knocked hurley for saying oh he's got wall potential well what wall are we looking at here um but the staff has now shown that they have a proven track record with this kind of thing. So in them, I trust. And I think if they're happy with Samson Johnson being that backup to cling in and caravan in Singare, then I am too. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's, there's definitely a number of young guys who, who you want to get enough looks and enough time out there. Uh, so that makes sense. But uh, and there and there probably uh, is a walk on or so who could be a viable candidate to hold on that to that scholarly for one year at least, uh, just just for fun, uh, which which would not be the worst thing, or or just stay flexible through the off season. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's pretty good. Um, final note on on Spencer here. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about nicknames and such. Um, you know, one thing that I want to point out, again, back to the Joey Calcaterra comparisons, I think it would be bad to just go, you know, name state with another guy, you know, like to just be like, 
oh, Jimmy, Massachusetts, like, like you said, almost, but, you know, I think, I think, you know, we can, we can make jokes about a Jimmy, Massachusetts or a Cammy from Maryland, but that's probably not the best nickname. Crab cake cam <laughs> since he's from Maryland. That's fun. That's fun. See now, now we're, now we're cooking. Um, but while we're on the, while we're on the subject, I also want to get out there that I never liked caravan caravan that that never really made any sense to me you just it's just another word that rhymes with his name are are we a soccer mom group that is going up and down the east coast to soccer tournaments no there's i don't know so the thing is some guys just don't have nicknames and caravan almost seems to be like so rock solid and consistent and just like zero kind of like edge and not in a bad way at all. Just like he's got, he's so on point with everything. He can't really throw out a nickname like that. Yeah. Um, and he, he, we can't really force it. Um, I was actually thinking on, on the, on my walk here before this episode of, there was a great nickname, at least for, in, in my perspective that like we had for Adamus Sonogo that I, that I never once brought out. And it just, of course it hits me as he's, you know, doing NBA stuff now, hopefully mm-hmm. um, we had a, a soccer player on our, on our team in college that was just, you know, built like a brick shit house. Like he had, you know, like just, you know, the, just a you know, grown man's body. Adonis and so eventually, well, no. So we called him the body and the running joke was nobody bodies the body. Mm-hmm. And man, I really wish we could have, I could have thrown that out there to the wolves for red as red meat six months ago, because did anybody body the body? They couldn't. No. Drew Timmy got bodied by the body. Yeah. So maybe we can retroactively, if he has a successful NBA career, which we can get into later, we can reheat that. Um, I don't want the, what, what, what were the Rutgers fans on Twitter? Asking about Cam D man. No, awful, take awful, it, awful, awful. send it, send it back. No, thank you oh, oh. guys. Come on. That's your, oh. your Rutgers is the Rutgers is the state school, in New Jersey. And that's what you come up with. I know. Aye, aye, aye. Very um, but at the same time, we can't force anything. We're going to look like real idiots. If we try to cook something up now live, although yeah. crab cake cam. Yeah. Or maybe Spencer Spumoni, since he arrived from New Jersey. But Ooh. no, that's horrible. That's awful. Nobody, nobody take that because it's really bad. Uh, but you know, I, I agree. I think I think the forcing it is is bad. We don't we don't want to repeat a convention. We can't repeat name state. Uh, Joey California was its own special thing. Let it be. Don't try to recreate Joey California. We didn't recruit another Joey California just because he might slightly resemble joey uh this is a different guy okay cam spencer is his own man all right and i uh, i will say though i i love watching the cam spencer highlights just because he has that type of game that you would see at a ymca every sunday beautiful it's just you know i mean it's going to be fun all year to to reheat all those those cliches mm-hmm. and look, you know those guys are what college basketball not those guys but uh <laughs> um but you know 
the the guys who are clearly not going to be playing in the NBA, you know. The, well, who, you know, if he has a good year. Eh, all right. Well, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm not the best judge of that, but uh, at any rate, it's it's good to have uh, experienced guys. It's good to have gamers, uh, and and those are the ones who make college basketball special. Part of what makes college basketball special. Backdoor cut cam. Mm, oof. Backdoor cam. Wow. Yeesh. <laughs> you said it. You started it. Uh, I just I just finished. Um, so yeah, speaking of which there are de- there are departures from the team. Uh and I think you know, we talked about Hawkins and Sonogo being gone. Not not a big surprise. We'll talk about their their specific prospects in a sec, but Andre Jackson was really the one that that was, you could say, on the fence at the end of the season, where it's like, it's very clear that he has demonstrated enough. Uh, that that much was clear. You know, at that point, he had led the team to a championship. He really had found his scoring game offensively as well. Uh, he was, you know, just absolutely amazing uh through throughout the tournament and he played his way into the into the draft conversation and we all you know we all knew it and just hoped that he was one of those guys who played his way into the draft conversation but chose to stay that was kind of the the feeling based on some of his quotes after the championship but looks like after his participation in the combine he made the decision to stay and uh hey good for him uh he he must have received the right kinds of affirmations uh and in which case great for him because i'm sure he was making a decent nil coin at uconn and and probably would have made a larger nil uh bag the following year uh so i think it really was about you know it just being the right time for him to go uh and and take his game to the next level and um he is absolutely athletic enough to go there and and I wish him well. I think it's, I think it's amazing. What a testament to the culture though, that and Hurley was maybe politic in a little bit, but that quote that he had where he said, I essentially had to like throw him out of the program, like force him and like, you, you need to go do this now and go test the NBA. And this wasn't like, Oh, throw a dart at the NBA and maybe get picked in the second round. There are mocks that have him in the late first, early second. There, you know, there are teams that will on him, but he liked UConn so much. He liked Hurley when what the you know his staff had built there that he was even thinking about coming back when all of the logic in the world said like, "What are you doing? You're not going to come back and shoot five threes a game to try to boost your stock. You're going to be the same type of player, and you've already won. You've been to the mountaintop." And he still wanted to come back. That That is such a feather in the program's cap, I think. And, uh, you know, a testament to his character as well. And I really think that a smart NBA franchise will, will, will take him and say, you know, we're going to work with his shooting. We're going to, you know, put him into a place where the culture is already there and he's going to thrive really don't want to see him go to like uh, Orlando, you know, the magic thunder, you know, a rebuilding team where he's almost kind of saying like, Oh, here, learn how to shoot on your own. You know, put him in with a warriors, put him in with 
excuse me, a team that gives him a defined role right off the bat. And that's why a comparison I see for him as obviously not as high as, as he was drafted, but Davion Mitchell, where he was a defensive stopper with other areas of his game that needed to be polished up a little bit. And he made an impact right away, Mitchell for the Kings. So that's where I see Andre, you know, honestly, I hope the Celtics take him. They can use a little bit of leadership. And mm. uh, I, I know you're not really, really a, a green fan here, but giving how things shook out last month, I think they could use some Andre Jackson up there in Beantown. They but sure as could. far as the, you know, Sonogo and Hawkins, what are you kind of like seeing, hoping, monitoring as far as like where you want them to end up? Yeah. I mean, um, just a couple points on Jackson though, real quick before that, but you know, I, I also do think just he's such a success story for the program too. Uh, Dan Hurley believed in him. He was not, he was, you know, a good recruit, but he was not a guy who you're talking NBA potential, you know, his freshman year, you're saying, I mean, you're not, you're not saying straight to the NBA for, for Andre Jackson. Uh, and even up into this past season, there are people and observers uh, confused by by his presence on the court and what he what he meant to the team, especially when you know there was a little bit of a downswing. Uh, and through that, Hurley stuck with him. Uh, I think it's uh, you know a a tremendous sign of uh, him as a as a developer of talent and as someone who. Uh, follows through and and I think you know recruits would would respond to something like that to say all right well if hey if Dan Hurley says he believes in me uh, he's going to have my back and even if he's able to get and bring in other guys he'll actually build around me and and make it work just like he did with Andre Jackson and Jordan Hawkins who he got onto the path to being a lottery pick or so in in the first round my my NBA comp uh, for Jackson just to wrap that up is I'm I'm horrible at NBA comps but just for fun Zach Levine that's who I'm going with uh, just because of the dunking I think Levine's probably a good shooter isn't he is or is he too good of a shooter for the for the comps to work Yeah he he can create his own shot he can and... his own shot Okay so we'll ignore my NBA comp but for for well that his... no but you're 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 kind of touching on the point where like there really isn't a player out there like Andre Jackson. Hmm. There's plenty of guys in the NBA that can play defense and can't shoot worth shit, but there's not a lot of guys in the NBA that can play defense, guard multiple positions, not shoot worth shit, but can also handle the ball and run a fast break. So when you add in that element of like you can get he can pull down a rebound and go run it himself, that's it's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I think for the next ten years we're going to be looking at Andre Jackson highlights from the last year and realize like what like we don't realize what this I hand up mea culpa did not realize what we had uh, because I think we were so focused on the day to day and so hyper aware of his weaknesses and his, you know, bad plays seem to be magnified where I think we're, you know, we, we don't realize what we had 
off the top of my head, I, I know you're going to hate this, but a little bit of Marcus Smart. Sure. Marcus Smart was not a plus shooter coming out of Oklahoma State. He was the sixth pick, so you know, still had a higher ceiling, but the Marcus Smart type plays are what Andre Jackson did, where he'll have you cussing one moment and thanking, you know, thanking God that, you know, thank God that he, we have him the next. And if you're looking for a player with that kind of variance, that's, that's what you got with Andre Jackson. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a Russell Westbrook with a little bit more size. That's, that's uh, something else that has occurred to me. And hopefully not insane, but I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can tell I watch a ton of NBA. I, I know tons of guys who have joined the league since 2016. What are you talking about? Um, I did think it was interesting with, with Andre Jackson that uh, the Indiana Pacers like tweeted about his workout with like a sponsored with a sponsor and like highlights from his, his uh, workout. And I just, I thought that was unusual. I, I, I feel like you wouldn't be so promoting of something unless you were for certain going to take someone in the draft and thought he might be available uh, at your pick. Um I just thought that was a big level of commitment for a guy who showed up for a workout. Yeah, I I, I wish I, I had some insider knowledge there, but maybe they're just trying to capitalize on, you know, the, the press that UConn was getting at that time. They were on top of the basketball world. So like, hey, here's here's their talisman. We got him working out. And I, I mean, he's... <laughs> he's polarizing, but he also attracts attention because it, it, it's just, it's such a conversation starter. Like what, like, what do you think of Andre Jackson? Do you think he, you know, he has a, a shot? Um, it, you, you could debate about this with hoop heads for hours on end because you can look at it so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, we're a little biased, but you don't want to bet against him the same way you don't want to bet against Adama Sinogo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, Jackson checks so many boxes. There it is straight up. Just so many boxes that other people have a hard time checking and he fills them up. Uh, So, um, but yeah, uh, Hawkins, I have seen sliding a little bit in, in the mocks. Uh, Again, who knows what, what these mock folks know. I, I had liked the idea of him ending up on a Lakers or Warriors type team um you know just someone someone that's a competitor uh that is like a pretty built roster where he would just come in and be the that scorer you know off the bench in a in really quick order and then work on his game to be a more full um you know attacker and scorer and and beef up a little bit so he can be a sturdier defender which which all seem within within the realm of possibility um what have you seen on Hawkins yeah, I noticed a little slippage as well. And again, UConn tinted glasses. I think I was expecting him to rise up draft boards kind of in the same way that James Booknight did when he declared he was, you know, late teens and then he crept up to a let. What he crept up to as much as I remember, I, I wrote the article. He had mocks as high as five or six and eventually settled mm-hmm. at 11. I think we were expecting a little bit of that with Hawkins. Just on first glance, I think that's just of other risers around him. 
that got really good reviews. I saw the Thompson, the Thompson twins, which were, or, you know, the top or top five picks, they are solidifying themselves up there. So I think that rising tide is kind of lifting their compare, their comparable people saying, okay, well, if you can't get a Thompson player, here's their next available option. And Hawkins is, it doesn't really fit that mold. He is more of a ready-made shooter and you will roll the dice and see if he develops the rest of his game. Um, but he is so, so damn good at, at, at shooting every, you know, but just to say that is an understatement because it's his mechanics, his footwork, the way he comes off screens, the way he reads screens is already elite. And like you said, you want to put him on a team that already has, that can run a few plays for him, not just give him the rock and say like, Oh, go make something happen. Why aren't you shooting at the clip that you shot in college? So don't really want to see him go to like a Mavericks team where he's going to be at first glance. You think, Oh, well, who, you know, who gets to play with Kyrie Irving? Good luck getting the ball from the basketball genius. And he's just going to be sitting around standing there and again, look back through the highlights. He is always on the move. So a team that puts him through a bunch of screens and says, go get, two or three shots off the bench, he will do a great job, I think, coming in as rookie year and get get the, you know, get his feet underneath him. And then hopefully, like you said, develop physically and be enough of an impact player in other parts where he can grow his game from there. Yeah, I think the idea of just, you know, at least if he if he does slip a little uh ostensibly he's going to a better team and then maybe therefore a better situation. Uh that's a a rough silver lining when obviously it also comes with a lower salary than you were expecting to earn uh, and signing bonus, but uh, I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think uh, Jordan Hawkins is going to end up making a good amount of money because like you said, he's got the mechanics, the three balls important. Uh, he could have a really, he can and should have a really, really long NBA career. The ringer did a high low comparison. The low being Max Struess formerly of DePaul and the Boston Celtics, who you know, playing for the Heat now, torched the Celtics, and the high being our very own Richard Hamilton. Oh. And both of those make sense. When, it, when you look at the way Rip came off screens, now he was more mid-range, but then you can argue that was the college game back then. If and Rip was yeah. here now, he'd, he'd have the range to do that. So I I can see that. And you know, Rip was drafted by the Wizards and you know, was a decent player there, but then he really kind of found his niche for the Pistons. And, you know, that's, again, why it's so important where you end up. But I like that comparison. Uh, Struess was obviously undrafted. So he he's going to already be the shooter that Struess is. You just have to hope the rest of his game fills out. Yeah, and I mean, defense, look, um, when you're the star shooting guard from Damatha and you go to UConn, we'll just be really honest here. You do not need to play defense. When you when you hit it like Jordan Hawkins hits it, you don't need to be super great at defense uh, at college. And uh, when you start playing in the summer league and the G League and the NBA, you realize that it's different and you're playing against uh, grown men and 
you will need to be a little bit more active on defense. I, I just, you know, I, I don't think it's like out of the realm of possibility for him to get his defense to a solid level just by being stronger and having a little bit more uh, effort to give in a, in a smaller role in the future. Think back to, I think there were three of these plays last year, uh, the chase down blocks that he had. He, he has the athleticism. He has the ability. And he was in no way a weak link on that UConn team defensively. So I think you just give him another year to bulk up, get used to the bumps and the bruises because he's not a, you know, he's, he, he's, he still has a slight frame. When you get that base established, the rest of his natural abilities are just going to flow and he's going to be just fine. He's going to be a 10 to 15 year player or 10 to 15 year player in the NBA. 100%. And with a ceiling as high as possibly a couple all-stars and if not, you know, a very valuable shooter every offseason when that contract comes. Someone's always going to want a Jordan Hawkins. Exactly. Yeah. And um look, we we have been doing this for some time now. At end of the day, uh holding on to a roster spot, a starting job, a key reserve role in the NBA year over year is super, super hard. So um, I think, I think the fact that he even would have the potential to be in that, in that kind of position for 10 plus years uh, says a lot about just the the talent level he brings. Um, And then moving on Adama Sonogo, not surprisingly, I think made the decision to uh, stay in the draft, continue to pursue his, his professional, uh, aspirations. I have been seeing his name move up a little bit in the draft boards. I think that's, of course, uh, a pleasant development for the Adama Sonogo heads uh, that are listening, which I think is probably all of you. Um, you know, I've I've been of a few minds about about this with Sonogo and his fit in the NBA. Um, I. I think where I land is that, you know, there's certainly will be a team that will want to take him in the second round, give him a shot with a two-way contract, which pays fairly well and is also just indicative of, of kind of franchise commitment to you and your development as a player. He'll maybe get a cup of coffee or so in the NBA in the first, first year or two. And, you know, we'll see if he can climb that. We'll see if he can make the, the jump. And I think, you know, we we know because uh, we've seen him and his journey over the last three years, at least, that he's certainly very capable and that he's someone who has is able to improve his game year over year, became a much better shooter uh, this past season, uh, which I think did a lot for his professional uh, prospects. And let's just say he's spent the last two or three months continuing to refine his shot who knows where where he might where he might be and where what kind of contributor he might be able to be at the at the next level um as someone who's smaller i think shooting is probably the being a better shooter is probably a smart path for him rather than hoping to uh grow 4 inches and become a defensive stopper so uh yeah i mean it's it's still tough but i think it's encouraging that he's a staying in the draft 
um, be moving up in mocks and that we know that there's a path for him because he's still relatively young in terms of years playing basketball in an organized fashion, uh, certainly in an organized fashion at a high level. And, um, you know, the, this is all about upside to use the, the, uh, Jay Billis drinking game term. It's, it's, it's all about that upside. And even though he's a four-year player, he still has got it. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's interesting. It's it's great to keep keep an eye on. As I've said before, if it doesn't work out, he's got a he's got a lengthy career in Europe ahead of him that that will also generate a ton of income for him. So so wonderful. Um, and I'm sure he'll continue to do a lot for uh, his community back in Mali as well through his nonprofit efforts. So uh, of course. We are excited for all of those things for Adama Sanoga. Um, well, first of all, no, he was a three-year player. Three years, sorry. But and older guy. Well, no, but people forget he reclassified. So yeah, I mean he 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 was supposed he technically was, you know, was a sophomore at this point. Um and I spoke earlier about, you know feathers in the caps of the program how cool is it to to be a UConn player and see Dan Hurley tweeting or retweeting anything and everything about Adama Sunogo and knowing that I I truly think there was a Hurley bump he found the Kevon Looney comparison when Kevon Looney was balling for the Warriors um, in that series against the uh, the Lakers now they lost but Anyone that knows the NBA knows how good Kevon Looney is for that team. And Hurley jumped on that right away. This is like, hey, you want your next Kevon Looney? He's right here. He's right here. That's so awesome that a head coach can take that about a player and just say, like, yeah, like, like you, you, you really felt like he's trying to lift his stock up against some very real negatives, which would be, like you said, his height and his athleticism. I think he measured in at six seven, which isn't really the six eight, six nine we were we were promised by UConn sports information director, but um that's okay. That's fine. You know, people exaggerate all the time. It's not about size. But um don't be surprised if the next time you see Adama Snow go play, his ball handling is a little bit better. His shooting motion is a little more fluid. And because that's the type of person he is, if there is a weakness, someone will point it out and he works on it. Adama, you have to go shoot threes now. Okay. I'm going to be a 36% shooter and nail wide open looks. Adama, you need to learn to take a couple dribbles and find a pass. If you get doubled. Okay. As long as someone's cutting like Andre Jackson, boom, done. Anything you ask this guy to do when you look back his last three years, he did it. So when you add in all the other stuff that like he's barely been playing basketball, he is just a relentless worker. He comes from, you know, a great background and pedigree. You got to take a flyer on him in the second round in in, in hope that he works out. So yeah, I I do love the Kevon Looney comparisons. I think the, another one, excuse me, out there was just like a Serge Ibaka light. Now he's got a ways to go, you know, shooting the ball, but you know, there is a future for him in the NBA, I truly think, and I'm not trying to be biased. I, I think that when you look at what this UConn team has done, 
he was the driving force. You know, those three players were the driving force behind that. So if you're an NBA team and say like this, this was one of the best college basketball teams in the last decade. Would I rather have one of the best players on the best team or some guy who, you know, has a lot of potential and could be good that, you know, put up 20 points for Vanderbilt. You know, I, I know who I'm going to pick, you know, especially in the late rounds when you're, it's all about kind of like, you know, value, eh, I don't know, value, I guess, but it, it really depends on what each team is looking for. I don't know. I just, I, I, I think we, we were so close to the action that we've seen what he does and he always improves. And I, I, I can't wait to see, like, like I will actually be tuning into summer league basketball games to see like what, what area of the game is he going to show us next? May as well just uh, hop a flight and, and go to Vegas, right? Come on. Uh, that that's nah, Vegas sucks. That's the move. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, I think one point that I also want to add, especially as it relates to Jackson and Sonogo, who might not be as immediate fits onto an NBA roster uh, this year teams are getting an additional uh, an additional two-way roster spot uh, so that makes three now which they uh, you know which which means that one more person that you can take onto your team and roster and uh, I think I think that benefits Sonogo uh, over half of players on NBA rosters or who or who, who make an appearance in an NBA game across the season have spent time in the G League. So I think, you know, just the realization that the pathways to the NBA have changed a little bit over the, the decades. Um, and so even if you're not immediately ready for the NBA or to be an immediate contributor, uh, the path is there. It's growing. It's a contract that's pretty lucrative. You're allowed to freely go back and forth between the G league and the NBA. Um, and those are all things that I think, you know, really help people not have to go over to Europe and keep the dream alive, stay kind of in the system. And I think that's, you know, I think that's something that Sonogo and Jackson are really benefiting from uh, in a year like this. Well said, well said. Merci beaucoup. Uh, you know, Patrick, I'm actually starting a new job uh, next week as uh, Zion Williamson's PR rep. I, I hope it goes well. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening.